I know everybody's like real hyper now because everybody had soda and <laughs> pasta already. But that's good. At least we're all energized and ready to hear the word. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, I'm just going to open up with some prayer. Amen. Lord, we just thank you for the second half of the conference, God. Father, we thank you for everything that's going to be said. We thank you for the lives that are going to be touched. We thank you for how faith is going to reach another level in us today, Lord God. I thank you that today, Lord, you're going to help us to see a revelation of you like never before, Lord God. We're going to be able to hear your voice. We're going to be able to understand what it is that you have to say to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we just ask for your blessing, God, on the second half of the service, Lord. And we pray for those who are on their way, that they would make good time. And, Lord, we just ask that our ears would be open and that our eyes would be open to all that you have in store for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to start off with a little worship, amen? A little song called Revelation Song. If you know it, please sing it with me. You can start the track. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're worthy, Lord. Um, hallelujah. We could get that right from the beginning. There we go. Okay, do that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We worship you.
She said all that to say she loves me. I love her too. <laughs> oh, you all. Oh, this is rich. This is really rich. Okay, guys, back in the sound booth, would you put the maps up again for me, please? I want the one in particular that shows Israel by itself. Aha, voila. Okay, looky here, y'all. Looky here, looky here. <laughs> Can you tell I'm from Arkansas and Texas? Yeah, looky here. Oh, we need to move this thing. Y'all can't see past it, can you? It's kind of in the middle of the world. Would 
One of you guys grab that. Thank you. Okay. You see the red on the uh, map, the red portion? If you notice, there are two different sections of red. There's the big blob, and then there's the little bitty one down there by the ocean, by the blue. Okay? Um, the darker green area is the land of Israel. It's just this little tiny sliver. Size of New Jersey, like I told you before. But the red, the large red portion, the upper portion of it is Samaria. Okay? Right in the middle where it juts in there, that's where Jerusalem is. And then the bottom portion of the blob is Judea. Now, all of your Bible stories happened in Samaria and Judea. Okay? Then that little sliver over there that says the Gaza, that's where David killed Goliath. That's where Goliath actually came from. That's not where David killed him. That's where Goliath came from. That's where the Philistines lived. So what our government did to Israel in 95, we told them that they had to give up the Gaza and they capitulated. They agreed with us that if they would give it up to the Palestinians, that the Palestinians then would live in peace with them because the Palestinians had been lobbing rockets over the fence out there into the Negev, which is the desert down south, where there are communities, just bombing the dickens out of the Jews, and the children live in constant fear. Their playgrounds have bomb shelters. But any time the Jews would retaliate in any way to protect themselves, and the world community just goes crazy, and it's all the Jews' fault. So our government pressured the Israelis to give up the Gaza to uh, the Palestinians. Well, the terrorist organization Hamas controls the Gaza. So now it's just a terrorist entity down there. Okay? And they told the international community, oh, the poor Gazans, they are desperate, they are destitute. Israel has stripped them of everything. Israel won't allow them to have food. Israel this, Israel that. Well, when we finally got reporters in there to photograph it, (laughs) they got five-star hotels. All of their bins of food are full and overflowing. It's all lies. It's all lies, but it doesn't make any difference because they have exported these lives, lies internationally and everybody believes the lie. So it's always the bad Jew, the poor Palestinian that's being picked on. That is what is circling the globe through the media. Global lie. Okay? Hitler said that if you tell a lie long enough, people will believe it's the truth. So that's what's going on here now. So you can see that the red portion is what we now are saying must be given back, given to the Palestinians to form a nation of Palestine. Now isn't this just ridiculous? Up there by Tel Aviv, see Tel Aviv? That's nine miles wide. If you set up battle forces with tanks, 
It takes at least 12 miles for tanks to actually set up and be able to turn around and maneuver and do everything that they need to do. So, like Netanyahu said, this is indefensible. There's no way that they can defend themselves. In addition to that, see where it says the Golan Heights right up in the top? Syria is above that. Syria wants the Golan Heights back. Now, all the land that Israel has won, they have always won in war. They've always won fairly, not because they attacked their neighbors and went after their land. It's because their neighbors attacked them, and God fought for them, and they gained land, which is all within the land that that was covenanted to them. In fact, their land goes all the way over to the Euphrates River, all the way down to the Nile in Egypt, and all the way to the Mediterranean. So it's ridiculous. Also, the Palestinian issue, just for the record, there has never been a nation of Palestine. Never. When the Jews were expelled from Israel after the crucifixion of Jesus, around 70 A.D. and then by 130 A.D., okay, the Romans began to call the land Palestinia. And the reason they did that is because that name comes from the Philistines who were the mortal enemies of the Jews and they did it to shame the Jews. So the region was called Palestinia but there has never been a nation called Palestine. And in the early 1900s, just last century, in the early 1900s at the end of World War I, The Ottoman Empire, which was part of the Axis powers of World War I, we were the allies, they were the Axis. The Ottoman power, the Ottoman Empire was defeated, which was Turkey, the Turkish Empire, Islam. It was defeated. Okay? And that whole region of the Middle East was given to the British to oversee. Okay? So, the, so by mandate with the, set, with the San Remo conference and then later on another one, in two instances, the UN voted to give this land as a homeland for the Jews. The Arabs all said, great, we don't want it. They, on every occasion, re- rejected any attempts to give them any of this land. But in 1948, when Israel actually formed itself into a nation, it was like, oh, we can't allow this to happen. So the very next day, five Arab countries attacked them to try to destroy them as they were an infant. All right? But what happened? God fought for them. It was a miracle because they didn't even have an army, they didn't have weapons. It was crazy. And they won. Israel won. So, the Arabs had told all these Arab nations that were coming to attack Israel, they told the Arab peoples living inside of Israel, leave your homes, leave your farms, leave everything, because we're going to attack Israel, and when we do, it'll be over in a matter of hours. And then you can go home. Well, that'd be fine, except there really is a living God who's in covenant with these people. Okay? So that's not what happened. So here then are all these Arabs 
who their leadership in the surrounding nations have lied to, they're all outside of Israel now. Their homes are inside Israel. So what do the surrounding nations do? They say, well, here, live, live among us. But we're going to put you in, we're going to group you in camps. And so they became the Palestinians and the Palestinian issue, and they were used by the radical elements to stir up discontent and reasons to attack Israel. You get it? They were used, they were the puppets then, all these regimes, this anti-Semitism, to find reasons to create an anti-Semitic attitude worldwide against Israel. So the news media then started saying, oh, the poor Palestinians, and Israel uh, is, is keeping them from their homeland. Israel is keeping them from their nation. And see, there never had been a Palestinian nation. Israel wasn't keeping them from their nation. Those who didn't get put in camps over here in Jordan or in Syria, they came on back home, and Israel said, you want to be a citizen? You, you're an Arab, but you can enter into full citizenship just like the Jews if you want to. You just have to swear allegiance to Israel as a Jewish state. You can serve in our IDF. You can worship your own God. You can do whatever you want to. Your women will be protected. They are not chattel. There will be no genital mutilation here. This is a democracy. So for years, the, the Palestinians who lived within Israel preferred to live with inside Israel because they had more rights than they had in the Arab countries. But the radical element came in and started stirring them all up and threatening their families if they voted against them, if they said anything against them, okay, and started building this international sentiment against Israel. So that's where it has come from and it's culminating now today. They want to take now these two red areas and connect them by a strip of land with a major road and a strip of land to connect the Gaza over to Judea and Samaria. Well, that just that just divides Israel right in half. And in addition to that, they want them to give up, right now, half of Jerusalem, which was what they had before the 67 war when they reclaimed Jerusalem. And what that entails is if Israel returns to them the half of Jerusalem that they had before 67, that Jordan had control over before 67, that's all of the holy sites. It's the Dome of the Rock, it's the Wailing Wall, the Upper Room, everything. Everything would be included in that. Our government is the one that's pressing for this, demanding this. Yes? Would you say that all the uprisings that have taken place here in the last several months, uh, Yemen, uh, Egypt, Libya, Syria... They're trying to do the same thing there that they 
did when they brought the Palestinians in and then they infiltrated the, the, the Palestinians that were left over from the, the previous war that are now in Jerusalem. They're trying to infiltrate all these nations, others. What, is, it, is it the, uh, was it the Muslim Brotherhood that's come in? Because, you know, we got reports from Egypt when all that began that there were insurgents, basically, that had come in to stir this up. And that's what's happening in all these little uprisings. To basically do the same thing and take over that whole region, even as they're trying to do in Israel. And on May 15th, when they celebrated, when Israel celebrated uh, the birth of the nation, although Israel celebrates on another day because it's according to the lunar calendar, on our Gregorian calendar it was May 15th, which is actually 14th or 15th, depending on which side of the globe you were on at the time. Okay, <clears throat> But um, on May 15th, this year, all of the Arab nations called for a march on Israel, for all of their people to march on the borders of Israel and to press through the borders of Israel to reclaim their land. Okay? So the Israelis had a fit with all of the borders trying to keep all of these people from crossing through and causing trouble. And in Syria, some of them got fired on and got killed. Yeah, several deaths. And, of course, then it's the Israelis' fault. Always, always the Israelis' fault. So you can see from that map just how ludicrous this whole situation is, how devilish this whole situation is, how ridiculous this situation is, Think about New Jersey, where I live, putting another nation inside that state. And it is a hostile nation and it, that is sworn to your destruction, your total annihilation. That's what your charter calls for, is their total annihilation. And the world is saying, now then let's form this and you all are going to live together in peace. Right. All right. It ain't happening. That's right. So with that in mind, let's turn to Zechariah, verse 12. Because this thing is going to escalate. It's not going to get any better. The only way there's going to be peace in the Middle East is when Mashiach, the Messiah, comes. And it's going to be the Messiah of the Bible, Yeshua, Jesus. All right? He is the Prince of Peace, and until he shows up and sets it all in order, there ain't going to be any order. There's going to be chaos. Okay? But the focal point now is coming down to Jerusalem. Right now they're talking uh, Judea and Samaria. And write these scriptures down because you can do this for homework later on. Ezekiel 35 and 36. Ezekiel 35 and 36 are the prophecies about the mountains of Israel. Judea and Samaria are the mountains of Israel. It talks about how the surrounding nations come to seize the mountains of, Jerusalem, uh, of Judea and Samaria, which now the, the media calls the West Bank. Are you following me? Anytime you hear West Bank, think Judea and Samaria. Okay? 
So when the nations come to seize the mountains of Jerusalem, which are Judea, Samaria, the West Bank, they don't stop there. They press on then to take Jerusalem. They don't want just half of Jerusalem. They want all of Jerusalem. They don't want just a portion of Israel. They want all Israel. They don't want just one dead Jew. They want all Jews dead. Right. So, what does God say about that? Well, he spoke several different places in the word about what we are living in right now. So at the moment, Ezekiel 35 and 36 are in in action about the mountains of Jerusalem. And that thing is only going to escalate. And in several places in the scripture, God says, they divided my land. They divided my land. So it's probably going to happen. It may have been something he was referring to in the past when they did, they did that, but it's probably talking about the future, about the division of the land. It's probably really going to happen to some degree or another. Already, they divided it to give away the Gaza. Okay? We're probably going to see more of that. But specifically then, in chapter 12 of Zechariah, it talks about Jerusalem. And in verse 2 it says, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. God says it doesn't matter how many you send against it. I'm going to cut you in pieces. I'm going to do Obadiah 15 to you. As you do unto Israel, I'm going to do unto you. So just get ready. And we are experiencing that ourselves in this nation with all the destructions that are leveled against us. Okay, then in verse 9 it says, It shall be in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Now then, in this time frame of when the nations are coming against Jerusalem, which is not too far away. Just think about it as far as just current events go. Here are the Palestinians right now. Here are all the Arab nations. Here they're wanting, they are, they are planning in September of this year to bring a resolution to the United Nations to unilaterally form the nation of Palestine within Israel. Now, what does unilaterally mean? It means going over the head of Israel, where Israel has no say-so about it. But everybody else just decides, we're going to form this nation inside of your country. So that's supposed to happen. That vote in the UN is supposed to happen in September of this year. Hang on a second. In September of this year. Now, what... What does that mean to us? Well, first of all, our nation is the one driving this thing. Secondly, we hold veto power in the UN, in the Security Council. So whatever the General Assembly votes on and decides, which is predominantly Islamic controlled... We, the Security Council, that I think there are five of us in the Security Council, and the U.S. is one of them, we hold veto power. Well, our present administration has said we won't use our veto power. We may abstain, 
or we may vote for or or against, but we won't. Um, but we won't use our veto power this time. We've always protected Israel with our veto power. There will be no protection for Israel when that vote comes up. Even if we abstain, we are voting against it. Because it leaves a vacuum that will be filled by all those who are anti-Israel. Are you following me? So we are headed straight into the buzzsaw here. Our nation is. We are in dire jeopardy because of our dealings with Israel. As you deal with Israel, so I will deal with you, God says. So, they won't stop, though, with just forming a nation with the mountains of Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and half of Jerusalem. And that's when, when they don't stop there, when that's not enough for them, and when Israel says, no way, Jose, you can't have any more, and you can't have the rest of Jerusalem, that's when the nations invade. They come in cover them, covering them like, like an, um, a flood. And we're going to read about that. And that's when then Jerusalem becomes this cup of trembling. That causes all the nations all of this trouble. And so can you see we are not very far away from this. Interesting, isn't it? We're really in the time in a timeline, we are not far away from this happening. All of these predictions about two thousand twelve and all of this stuff, you know, the Mayans and uh, uh, Nostradamus and everybody and his brother and you know, on and on and on. I don't believe their predictions, but the word of the Lord is true. But things are accelerating in unbelievable proportions just this year already. So who knows what will be happening by next year? That's why I say, if you want to go to Israel, come with me in September. Because I don't know if we can next year. I just don't know. All right, at any rate, Jerusalem's going to be a cup of drunkenness or a cup of poison in the Hebrew to all of the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. They're going to besiege it. And I'm going to make it a heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces. Now then, something wonderful though is going to happen. Verse 10. During this same time frame, God says, I'm going to pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Now, who is the house of David? These are the Jewish people. Okay? I'm going to pour on the house of David a spirit, the spirit of grace, supernatural enablement to do the will of God. That's what grace is. I'm going to pour on the house of David supernatural enablement to do the will of God and a spirit of supplication to cry out to God. All right? And then they're going to look on me whom they pierced. That Holy Spirit that is working, washing them with the water of the Word, okay, giving them the new heart. He's going to open up revelation to them in this Season in this window of time, 
that is going to be awesome because he's going to reveal Yeshua to them. Now he's doing that one by one now already. But it is going to be phenomenal during that time. Okay? They're going to mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. They're going to grieve for him as one grieves for his firstborn. I mean, when they start having revelation of Yeshua, they're going to say, Oh my God, we missed him. But those Christians living among us, telling us, that's been true all along. It really was him. He really is the Son of God. He really is a Jew. He really was our Jewish rabbi. He really is our Messiah. He really is the Son of the living God. See how close we are to this harvest? Hmm. In that day a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. Hallelujah. And then in chapter 14, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations. That's how we know it's not talking about another time that's already taken place. But he's going to gather all the nations, just not the Roman Empire. Okay? To battle against Jerusalem. And it's going to be terrible, you all. It's going to be terrible. The city shall be taken. The houses rifled. The women ravished. Half of the city will go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth. He'll say, enough is enough. That's all. Then the Lord will go forth, and he will fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move forward toward the north, half of it toward the south. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley. From the mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach to Azal. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, in years past, okay? Thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you or with him. And it shall come to pass in that day that there will be no light. The lights will diminish. It shall be one day which is known to the Lord. Only the Father knows, right? Neither day nor night, but at evening time it shall happen that it will be light. Things are going to be crazy in the heavenlies. And in that day it shall be that living water shall flow from Jerusalem. Half of them toward the eastern sea, half of them toward the western sea. That is, that this earthquake that's going to happen, that's going to split the mountain, is also going to make a way for the Dead Sea to be opened up. And the River Jordan is going to flow down and out through it so that living water comes in and flushes it all out. Got it? Not just this dead uh, thing that nothing can grow in. Okay? Anyway, down in 12, verse 12. And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the people who fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall dissolve while they stand on their feet. Their eyes shall dissolve in their sockets. Their tongue shall dissolve in their mouths. And then down in 16 it says, And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year 
to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the, king, the feast of tabernacles. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain, or there will be no economic blessing that year. Okay? So what's coming down is coming down, but it's coming down pretty fast. And we are living, we are in the pipeline now. It's like we're in the birth canal. That baby is coming down. There's no stopping it now. And it's during our lifetime this is all happening. There's a day coming when this is all over. That Jesus comes and he sets up his millennial kingdom on the earth. Thousand years of peace because he's going to put it together. And it's going to be the most phenomenal time. There's going to be an international holiday. And it's called the Feast of Tabernacles. And you know why it's the international holiday? Because it is the celebration of Him tabernacling among us. And the reason the nations have to come up to celebrate it is because they have to come up and, and give obeisance to Him that He is the King of kings and He is the Lord of lords. And if they refuse, then rain, financial blessing, is withheld from them. They are cursed. For that year. It's serious. He's serious about this thing. When he comes back, it says he's not going to come back as meek and mild Jesus. He's coming back to rule with a rod of iron. And it's going to take that to set rebellious nations and peoples in order. When I hear of all kinds of atrocities happening in the earth, I take hope because I say Jesus is coming shortly. And when he comes, he's going to set it in order. But we're coming with him and we're going to be helping. Yay! Okay, now then. That was Zechariah prophesying all of this. Now then, let's see what, moving forward, Jesus had to say. Did Jesus have anything to say about this? You betcha. Okay, Matthew 24. The boys ask him, Lord, what's the sign of your coming? What's going to happen? Yada, yada. Jesus told him, you know, kingdom's going to rise against kingdom, wars, you know, tribulations, all kinds of natural disasters, all this stuff's going to happen between now and then. But that's not the end. That's not the end. He said, you're going to be hated by all people for my name's sake, but the gospel of the kingdom's going to be preached in all the earth before I come. Okay? That is just about complete. That is just about complete because we're in such an age now where there's the ability to get the word into the nations, okay? But then he gave us a warning. He said uh, in verse 23, a warning that is taking on even more dynamic proportions in this day because of what I told you earlier this morning about uh, Islamic eschatology. Listen to this. Jesus says in verse 23, If anyone says to you, Look, here is the Messiah. Or there, there he is. Don't believe it. For false Christ's Messiahs, the word Christ means Messiah, and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect.
So see, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he's in the desert, don't go out. Oh, look, he's in the inner rooms. He's over here at somebody's house. Don't, don't believe that. For as the lightning comes out of the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So whenever this Islamic Antichrist arises and the false Jesus, regardless of what kinds of signs and wonders and miracles he comes doing, and they say, Jesus is over here. Let's go see him. Let's watch him do miracles. He's holding a crusade over here in the Meadowlands. He's here in the Bronx. He's at so-and-so's church. He's in so-and-so's house. Don't bother. Don't bother. That's right. Don't go. It's not him. That's not the way he's coming. When he comes, every eye's going to see him. All right. So, look at this. Verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun is going to be darkened. There's going to be a solar eclipse. The moon will not give its light. There's going to be a lunar eclipse. The stars are going to fall from heaven. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. Now what is the sign of the Son of Man? What is the sign that any time you show it, everybody knows you're talking about Jesus? A cross. Do you suppose that's what the Bible's talking about here? I don't know, but I have had an experience with that that makes me wonder if it's not the truth. When I was 12 years old, one morning, I got up and opened my blinds. And I looked out over my neighbor's house and there was a cross hanging in the sky. The moon was in the crux of it. The moon. And out from it shone these beams of light but they were perfect and they were beveled and they were pointed. And I called my mama and she came and she saw it. I wasn't having a hallucination. I'm 12 years old. I'm not on anything. Not back then anyway. She and I both saw it and we wondered because that's what wonders make you do you wonder and I said I'm going to go outside and see if we can see it anywhere else the only place you could see it was right in front of my window at any rate there is going to be a sign in the sky that nobody will doubt what, who it's talking about okay the sign of the son of man will appear in heaven then all the tribes of the land will mourn the word here in the language is land. It's not the whole earth. It's talking about the land. What land? The land of Israel. It's not talking about all the tribes in the rainforest or up in the, up in the pile or whatever. It's talking about the tribes of Israel. The people of Israel in the land, they are going to mourn. They're going to see this. It's going to throw them into a national mourning. And they're going to see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And you say, well, what about us? Okay, next verse. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. 
Lolly Cazelli, sports fans. Lolly Cazelli. It's coming down in an amazing way. All right. Turn over. Did anybody else talk about this? Yep. Turn over to Second Thessalonians. Paul had something to say about it. First Thessalonians. Oh, I'm sorry. Second Thessalonians. Well, let's go to first. First. First Thessalonians. Four. Beginning in verse 13. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have already died, lest you should sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with Jesus those who sleep in Jesus, those who have already died as believers. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by, by no means precede those who have died. That is, we won't go first. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Up from the grave we all arose, okay? <laughs> then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. This is to comfort us. Alright? Now then, this is an interesting, interesting passage because it's all talking about the same event. Zechariah, Jesus, and now Paul. But it's multifaceted here. It's talking about the nation of Israel mourning. It's talking about the dead being raised, dead believers. It's talking about them ascending. It's talking about us who are alive being changed and ascending. It's talking about Jesus coming in the most unusual way. There's going to be a trumpet. Well, actually, first of all, there's going to be an archangel that says something. Now, if you understand about Jewish weddings, that's why we need to understand Passover and the Seder and all that. Jewish weddings, the bridegroom, after he has made the marriage proposal to the girl, and they go through all the betrothal, agree on the ketubah, the marriage uh, arrangements, okay? And he offers her this cup of wine, which is the Lord's Supper, the fourth cup. If he offers her a cup of wine and she drinks it, she's saying, yes, I will marry you. That's what, everybody, we are doing when we receive the cup of the Lord at the Lord's Supper. We are saying, yes, I will marry you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, then he turns, and this is what Jesus taught the boys. He said all of these words. They're all found in John. They're right after uh, they had the Lord's Supper and Jesus is teaching them. Then he starts teaching them and he says, Listen, in my Father's house are many mansions. 
If this were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you can be also. Well, all the boys went, Faring. We've heard those words before. Wait a minute. This is weird. We're having a Seder here, and he's doing wedding stuff. Because every one of them who had gotten married, who had, who had gone through a betrothal, had said these words to their bride. As they're turning to go out the door, they turn and they say, Oh, by the way, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And you don't have to worry about it. I really am coming back for you. It was part of the whole package. The only thing was, he didn't know when he was going to get to come back. Because only his father would tell him when the house was ready. Generally, it was about a year's time. So the bride knew generally the time frame. But she didn't know the exact day. She didn't know the exact hour. Now then, let's go to First Thess. No, yeah, First Thess five. First Thessalonians five. Verse one. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren. You have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. I saw a YouTube clip about a year ago, I guess now. It was remarkable. It had one leader of a nation after another. They were all saying the same catchphrase. Peace and safety. Peace and safety. Peace and safety. And it was all around Israel doing the right thing. If Israel would just give away the land, if Israel would just do this, that, and other then there would be peace and safety, peace and safety. It was coming from the leader of Britain, the leader of Germany, the leader of the U.S., the leader of, I mean, the Muslim nations, everybody, catchphrase, peace and safety. When they say to you, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon you. Do you think we are living in the time frame of the return? Wally Kazali. Okay, then, listen to this. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. All right, now then, I want us to readjust our thinking here. Because we have thought repeatedly, oh, nobody knows when, when the Lord is coming. Not even Jesus knows when he's coming. That is all true, but that's not all of it. Okay? There's the bigger picture. There's the picture of the Jewish wedding. 
this gal knows he's definitely coming and she has a general time frame. And she is alert and she's vigilant. Remember the ten virgins and five of them were wise and five of them were foolish? And the five that were wise were prepared for his coming. They knew the general time frame. They'd gotten everything ready. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. Even though he comes as a thief in the night, you are not in darkness. So that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Let us understand the time that we're living in. Let us really understand the times. What's going on so that we are ready? We're not asleep. Okay? Yeah. For God didn't appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now then, many people take that passage and say, okay, that means we're not going to go through the tribulation. God didn't appoint us to wrath. Well, Matthew 24 said, immediately after the tribulation of those days. Hmm. We'll just leave that right there for the moment, okay? God didn't appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we are the Western church. We're the church that hasn't suffered. We think if we can't pay our bill, we're suffering, that we're in tribulation. We think if our husband leaves us for a younger woman, we are suffering, we are in tribulation. And yes, indeed we are, but we, haven't, we have not suffered unto blood. We haven't died. We haven't watched our children be murdered in front of our eyes. Like in the Sudan, the, the believers in the Sudan, the Muslims came in and cut off the hands of the men so that they could not work and, and earn or, or develop food for their families. They cut off the breasts of the women so they couldn't feed their babies. Now that's suffering for the cause of Jesus. They did this to the believers. We are the comfortable Western church. So we think, okay, he hasn't appointed us to wrath. So nothing bad is going to happen to us. Bad things happen all over this planet to Christians. In first century, every one of the apostles was murdered. Except John, and he was boiled in oil, he just didn't die. So we've got to prepare ourselves. There is suffering involved in following Jesus. That's part of the package. And we don't bail on him if he doesn't live up to our expectations of how he's supposed to do our lives. 
We love him because he is wonderful. Because there is nobody like him. Because he alone is the son of the living God. He alone gave his life for us. That we can have eternal life. Not just because I love him if he does it my way. So we need to prepare ourselves because we don't know what's going to be required of us. We don't know if he's coming before things happen, in the middle of things happening, or after things happening. But things are happening, period. And we need to love him and serve him because we love him because of who he is, not because of what he does for us. Okay? So get that settled in your heart so you can get your mind prepared for whatever's coming. All right? The good news is whether we live or whether we die, we're going to live together with him. So let's comfort each other and edify one another just as we are doing, it says here. Now then, there is a day that is called one day. Where is it? Hang on, hang on. I think it's back in John uh, in Matthew. I've got to find this because this is important. Matthew. I can't find it right now. Um, But it's talking about the day of the Lord when it comes. It's a day that is one day. And it's an interesting thing. We don't know the day or the hour. But it's an interesting thing. There are some characteristics about this day. This is the day that, that the trumpet is going to sound... That there's going to be an announcement from an archangel. And in the wedding uh, of, of uh, the Jewish wedding, when the bridegroom does come back for the bride at the end of the period of time, first of all, one of his bridegrooms goes out ahead of him hollering, Behold, the bridegroom comes! Behold, the bridegroom comes. And then they blow the shofar. Now it's interesting, God's moeds, his appointed times, his, his feasts. See, we the church don't follow the feast. That's a Jewish thing. We don't have to do that. We're not Jews. Well, God likes to meet with his people at appointed times during the years. And if, during the year, and if we would begin to do that, we would understand his timing. Okay, so the spring feasts have been fulfilled. The fall ones haven't. The first fall feast is Rosh Hashanah, which is the trumpets. It's the only feast that's the feast of trumpets. And another place it talks about at the last trumpet, he's going to come. 
God doesn't just do things randomly, haphazardly. He's very orderly, if you haven't noticed from mathematics. Okay? Could it be that Jesus is going to come on Rosh Hashanah at the Feast of Trumpets one year? We don't know what year. It could be that it will be a time when Jerusalem is under siege. That's going to be the sign, one of the signs of his coming. Jerusalem's going to be under siege. There's going to be a trumpet. There's going to be a voice of an archangel. Zachariah said it. Jesus said it. It's interesting when that happens and the dead rise and we rise, the Jews are sitting here watching. Now, Zechariah and Jesus both said it's going to throw them into a national mourning. You think about it if you're Jewish. And I've been living among you, and I've been testifying and revealing, demonstrating Jesus to you for years. Telling you, God, the living God that you believe in, that you love and you serve, he really does have a son, just like David said. Okay? His son is your Messiah. And you've gone, no, 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 our God is one, yada, yada, yada. Yes, he is. The Godhead is in full agreement with one another. They are in a oneness. But they are individuals within the Godhead. And there is a son. And the Father sent his son, and he loves you, and his name is Yeshua. And you haven't believed it. Okay, so the next thing you know, Behold, the bridegroom comes! And it comes from heaven. And then, the, the shofar sounds and all these clouds are going on and all of a sudden I start ascending I'm changed all of a sudden and I start ascending what do you do if you're a Jew? what do you do? you go oh my God everything they told me it's true it's really him and his sign is in the sky, by the way. I personally believe this is what is going to happen, and it's going to throw the whole nation into national mourning. When the whole nation realizes we missed him. The whole nation misses him. Well, then the next holiday that's celebrated, the next, it's not a feast, it's a fast that's celebrated is just a few days later. It's a week later. It's Yom Kippur. It's their highest holy day. It's their day of national repentance. It's where they do a 25-hour fast, food and water, cleansing their souls, examining themselves. And the days leading up to it are the days of all, where you get everything right with everybody. You try to get yourself as right with God as possible. On Yom Kippur, then... The priest goes to the wall and declares the people sanctified before the Lord and offers prayers for repentance for the nation, all of that. What if on that particular Yom Kippur, the priest goes to the wall and says, We have sinned as a people. We rejected your son. But as a nation, we acknowledge it's really him and we receive you. 
What if that really happens? In one day it says they're going to receive him like this. I think it's probably going to be on a Yom Kippur. Because that's in God's calendar. And you say, well, wait a minute. Now, I don't understand. Is the rapture and the second coming two different events? Are they one? What are they? They're definitely two different events. We don't know how much time there is between them. The Lord comes. He receives his bride out of the earth. But when you start reading all of this, it doesn't seem like there's any lapse of time until he's putting his foot on the Mount of Olives and everything starts, he starts warring against the nations who are trying to destroy the Jewish people. And the earth is open, the earthquake has happened, and they are escaping probably down to Petra in Jordan. Probably. And all of this stuff is going on but if he waits for two or three years or whatever, are they going to be destroyed? How's this going to work? Is there, how's the time frame? And what I have thought, I'm not saying this is God, but this is a thought. You know, when, when some people die and they go to heaven and they come back, it seems like a long time period to them. But when they come back, they've only been gone minutes. See, you step out of time and you step into eternity. It's timeless. It would be nothing for the Lord to come take us out whenever that time is. And we go and we have the marriage, the supper of the Lamb, do the whole thing in heaven. Rewards are passed out. Whatever happens, okay? All of that... And we come back and it's been three minutes. (laughs) It's been a half hour. There's no see see, we're not dealing we're not dealing with time here. We're dealing with eternity. So what I'm saying by saying this is there's a lot of stuff put in here that with All of our minds, we can't exactly figure out how this all fits together. So there shouldn't be wars among us about, well, I believe this and I believe that and whatever. No. We just need to know that we're living right up in the time all of this is rolling into place. Okay? And we should be very excited about this and living full of God. Living full of Him. Where there's no compromise in our lives, where we're getting rid of the compromise. We're getting rid of the weights. We're getting rid of the sins that so easily beset us. We're looking forward. We're looking unto Him, the author and the finisher of our faith. We're not selling all our possessions like some people did today. And sitting around and waiting for Him to show up. It's a tragic day for them today. But we've got to understand the guy next door doesn't know him, doesn't believe. He's not a believer. What's going to happen to him? See, we have got a commission that is active. And we are still on duty. We are to carry forth the commands of our Lord until he comes. We are to be busy about his business 
until we co- he comes. Serving him with great joy and gladness. Rejoicing in him. Until he comes. And it's all good news. Blessed be the name. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, does anybody have a question? First Corinthians. Um, it was in First Corinthians 15. Thank you. Thank you. First Corinthians 15. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we're all going to be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, abounding Always in the work of the Lord. See? Not just sitting around twiddling our thumbs waiting. Abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So praise God. All right. Whew. So it's all good news. It's all good news. So let's get ready, okay? Let's get ready. Let's pray together. Yes, yes. Question? Yes. We don't know about that yet. She's asking about the land and the 144,000. That's still a question I have hanging out there. I don't know. I have no revelation on that yet. They're Jewish. They're Jewish. And there are about 15,000 believers in Israel right now. Um... Maybe there are going to be 144,000 when he comes. I don't know. Gary may have some revelation on that. I don't have anything on it yet. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know yet. But you know what? What is neat about this time frame that we're living in? Revelation is increasing because we're getting closer to the end, so things are opening up, they're becoming more clear. It's just like if you're on a destination going somewhere, the closer you get to the place you're going, the more clearly you see it. Yeah. So things are beginning to open up. So we will see more clearly as we go along. But it's definitely, definitely the Jewish people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now then, what I, would, I do want to say one thing to you. Don't take one thing I have said today as truth because I said it. Because you were in a church setting and somebody got up, somebody came in from out of town, got up, and said something to you and you said, well, that's it, that's the truth. Somebody else could come in here next week, tell a totally different thing, and you believe that. That's, that's being blown about by every wind of doctrine. What the Lord wants you to do is you get your own Bible out and you start reading out, understanding what time it is. And you search out these things. And you say, Lord, I don't understand. Teach me. What I have learned, I haven't learned through asking everybody else or bring everybody's book. I got with the Lord. 
And I mean, but I have spent months and months and years doing this, diligently seeking it out. So he's given me some revelation. I don't know necessarily how all the dots connect. And I seek every day to try to figure out how do these dots connect. You ain't going to figure it out. It's going to have to come by revelation. But whether we ever figure it out or not, in all of these things, we need to be pursuing Him. And being like the wise virgins, saying, Lord, help me. I want to be, I want my oil full. I don't want to be lacking in anything, and I don't want to be embarrassed and ashamed when you show up. Going, wait, 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 I just need a little bit of time. No, I want to be ready. So let's utilize this time, since we see the day approaching. Stephen? I just want to, in, in Revelation, what she was talking about, it says, Standing with him are 144 who have the Father's name written in their forehead. Uh, the number 144 is symbolic of all the faithful overcomer of God's spiritual Israel. And you can read that in uh, Revelation 3.12, Christ's promise to all the overcomers. So whether it's literal or whether it's spiritual, we who overcome, there are promises to us and there are rewards to us. Absolutely. He who endures, that's right. He who overcomes. So every day, just make it your plan that that day you're going to overcome. That's it. Yes, sir. This is is somewhat like a political question. Earlier you mentioned the idea of the nation being within the nation. Um, do you think that other nations will recognize the sovereignty of an illegal state like that? Or do you think that maybe they'll just recognize it on paper but won't do any treaties with the illegal state like that? No, because the other nations are the ones who are saying that they are making it a legal state, not an illegal state. They are all coming together to form this nation against the will of Israel, forcing it on them. Okay? So now they won't look at it as an illegal state. They'll look at it as the real thing, the legal thing. And then whenever they come to the place, well, that's not enough. We want the rest of it. The rest of the nations will go, well, of course you need more. Okay? Because it's that spirit in the world that hates God and hates the covenant he made with Israel and the Jewish people because if Israel is destroyed, if all the Jews are killed, then God is not the living God. Got it? But, oh, I'm so glad. He always has the last say. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So praise God. Pastor Gary. Oh, you have one too. All right. I I was wondering if you could, like, kind of elaborate also on Joel 2's army because um, Joel 2's army on like the great move of God because a lot of people I know specifically when I watch some of these end time movies they kind of make Christians look pathetic and like when I watch it I'm like are you kidding me like we just look like com- you know completely tampered with and like I feel like you know maybe some of the people from here we're just going to be like a struggling period personally for me I feel like there's going to be great evil but a great revival going on at the same time Amen. and we're not going to be these little struggling pathetic Christians that That's are like right. oh you know I-, I better watch out for people poisoning my Bibles because I may die but the reality is that you know the Bible says that we're going to go with, you know we can go through you know a-, a haze of poison yet not you know be killed That's and all that stuff so can you just talk about that absolutely well the scripture says But the scripture says that those who know their God 
will be strong and do exploits. That's right. Now, it doesn't say they won't get killed. All right? But where we have to come to is we don't love our life. No. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, not somebody else's testimony, or not just quoting scripture, but the word of their testimony. What is your history in God? In my life, he showed up at this time. In my life, he showed up at this time. In my life, he did this. And he did, he, it's your testimony. You were there and you know what happened. That's the word of your testimony. Okay? You overcome the enemy through that. But the third part that we don't like to talk about is, and they loved not their life unto death. It's like we've got to come to a place we love his life more than we love our life. Genuinely. Genuinely, where it is more about Him and His honor and His glory and His great name being revealed in the earth than it is about us and our breath. Get it? He was willing to give up His life. So then... He said, I'm your example. So how much more are we willing to lay down our life? But I know that I know it's something he puts in our heart. With a seed that grows to the point where everything else is like nothing to us. But the love of Christ surpasses it. And I hear him say, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, yes. 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 You all, during this season, we must taste and see that He is good. We've got to do that so that you are not swayed by everything that's coming upon us. But our faith is rooted in Him and in that love, in that intimate knowledge of how much He loves us. Yes, sweetheart. Okay, she had a dream. And I was like, oh my gosh, look what she just said. It was in my dream. And I couldn't really understand it. I know it was Christ, the cross was Christ. But now I know for sure it was spiritual and for sure God was trying to say something. That's awesome. Yeah, she had a dream and she saw the cross in, in the sky. Yes. This is somewhat a naive question and just bear with me. But um, when someone has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior... And when the Antichrist comes and they, they submit, does that, have any, does that affect their salvation? I mean, like, because, because that person that accepted Jesus Christ perhaps doesn't have the knowledge that, you know, was not um, um, word up, was not word up. That person was not in the word. So those are the ones that are going to be influenced. Does, what does that have to do with that salvation? Will they still receive it? Okay, I'm not going to answer that because 
I want you all to go to the Word and start searching that out yourselves. See, because, particularly here in the West, everything's easy. And so our salvation is easy until it costs us something. And so we think we can just kind of lollygag along. And when it comes to crunch time, he'll let us off. We're a nice person. He'll let us off. There's a cost to following him. And the, the promises along those lines, what I've read, are negative promises. So, I don't know if you lose your salvation. I don't know. But I know it ain't going to be pretty. It's a fearful thing. It's a fearful thing. You don't want to be in that position and you don't want anybody you know and love to be in that position. So see, that's why we have to become fervent. We have to really understand the cost of this thing and the hour we're living in so that we're ready and those around us are really ready. There is a great apostasy that's going to go on. There will be much falling away. The Bible prophesies that. It's already started. Such lukewarmness, such lukewarmness, you know, by those who call themselves Christians. And yeah, there is a thing of human fear. I have no desire to be tortured. But you know, grace, we call it God's unmerited favor. It's so much more than that. Grace is supernatural enablement to do the will of God. How did those Christians that were fed to lions with their children, how did they stand there as hordes of lions were being released on them and they are singing praises to God? Supernatural enablement. Just dump, dump loads of grace on them. How did Stephen stand there with these big rocks being battered at his head and his face and he looks up and he sees into heaven and he sees Jesus and the scripture says Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. Well, on that occasion, Jesus stood up, it says. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Jesus was standing up for Stephen. Welcoming him. Receiving him. See, we've got to get so past the idea of dying. We've got to get so past and so into for the glory of God. That it's about his life. It's about his glory. It's about the fame of his great name. Not about our self-preservation. So, so that we really are totally converted. When we get there, there is so much grace, I believe. We've got so many records of saints who've gone before of their dying moments like this. It was glorious. It was glorious stuff. It was glorious stuff. In, in, in um 
Hebrews 11, it talks about the hall of fame, of faith, of the faithful. And there were those who were delivered through faith. There were those who perished. In faith, having not received promises. But they didn't just give up and go, oh, he wasn't faithful. And bail out on him. No, as they were being tortured, and they were being talked to, come on, just recant and we'll let you go. No, it says they wouldn't recant. They were choosing a better resurrection. It's like, no, give me the whole nine yards because there is a reward on the other side of this thing. See, they were so far, they were so far past where we are. It was such a reality to them. His glory, His glory, eternity with Him, their bridegroom, ruling and reigning on this planet with Him. After this part's over, it's like the suffering at that moment did not compare to the glory that was going to be revealed. What manner of people were these? Well, they're our sisters and brothers, and they are a cloud of witnesses, and they have been from every generation, you all, generation after generation after generation after generation up to our generation. And every day they overcame. Every day they did whatever it took. They rolled out of bed every morning whether they wanted to or not. They faced it, whatever it was, and they became overcomers. One day at a time, one day at a time, one day at a time. Now they've gone home to their reward and they are looking over at us going, Come on, you can do this. You can press in. You can finish. So we have got generations of people. The scripture says that they will not be complete without us. We aren't complete without them. I mean, we wouldn't have any legs to stand on. We wouldn't have any of this stuff to be reading and living on. But they aren't complete without us. We have got to finish the race. Not just for us. We've got to finish the race for them. Think about it. You live your whole life overcoming whatever obstacles life and the devil brings you. It costs you. It costs you. It hurts you. You have grief. You have sorrow. You have brokenness. But you get up and you overcome. And your kids see this happening. The greatest grief is for your children to watch all of this and watch you overcome and then they lay down and they don't do a thing with their life. Okay? Now that is your isolated incident. But you think about generations of people who have done this and they did not all receive all of the promises. They are waiting for you to press on through and finish this thing so they can receive ultimately all of the promises. Now, are we going to drop it? Are we going to drop the ball? Are we going to allow God to put a revelation in our lives 
that is bigger than our one little personal life. Where it's about His life. It's about His glory. It's about His honor. It's about living eternity with Him. We need a revelation, don't we? Yeah. We need a revelation. So, Lord, today we thank you. We thank you, Father, that there is so much more to you than we have encountered thus far. We thank you, Lord, that your Son is so precious and that he loves us so passionately and that he is a man of his word and he is coming again at your command and he's going to receive us unto himself but he's also going to do everything to fulfill everything and he's going to set this place in order for your glory. So we, re- we rejoice today, Lord. We rejoice today that we can be a part, that we can have a part of this and that we can know you, Lord Jesus. Today we love you, Lord, and we ask now Father, I ask in the name of Jesus for an outpouring of the presence of God, an outpouring of the precious Holy Spirit in each of our lives to enlarge us, O God, enlarge us, O God, that we might love you more than we love ourselves, that we might love your fame and your great name more than ours. And that we would be like Paul where we say, I die daily. It's not about me. It's about you, Lord Jesus. Grace. 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 Multiply, Lord, to us. Conform us into the image of your Son. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Before we go on, and Sister Deborah and her team, they, they're going to pray and prophesy over everyone here to anoint you to go out and be part of God's last day's army. And she has a team of people who don't know anything about you. So no one from our church is going to be prophesying over you because then you can't say, oh, well, they already knew all that. These are people that know nothing and you're going to be astounded by the supernatural power of God today. But before we do that, I just want to give you one more opportunity because we've been hearing about God's heart for Israel and the Jewish people. And do you know that Jesus cannot return until the Jewish people receive Him because Jesus said to them, He said, You will not see Me again until you say, Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. So we, we need to pour ourselves out to win the Jewish people because until they're ready to receive Him, He ain't coming. I don't care what Howell Camping or anyone else says. It's a lie. 
So we want to sow into into Melba's ministry. We we want to we want to give her seed to go out. And every Jewish person that's one for the Lord, if we gave into that, we have a portion in heaven. So I'm going to ask the for the ushers to come forward. And when you talked about the hundred forty-four thousand. I believe, even though the number might be symbolic, I believe it's talking about literal Jewish people coming to the Lord. Because in Isaiah 66, it says that the remnant of the people of Israel will go out to the nations and begin to proclaim that the Lord is real. And I believe that that's an army of Jewish people. See, it's not always going to be about the church. There's a period of time coming when God is going to raise up the remnant of Israel and they're going to faithfully proclaim His name. Don't believe any lies that say the church has replaced Israel. There's still a period of seven years coming when God is going to go back to His people Israel and fulfill the promises. And we want to be part of that. So I'm going to ask Pastor Stephen if you can just come and bless this offering. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, O God, by your might and your power, O God, I pray, God, that everyone in this place, O Father, will receive a spiritual, physical, and financial blessing today, O God. As they give into this offering and sow into this ministry, O oh God, let it be returned to them a hundredfold this day, O oh God. Let them see a glory from this day forth for this teaching, O oh God, that their lives, Father, belongs to you, O oh God, and it's not of themselves, O oh God. That the honor and glory is given to you, Father, through their lives, O oh God. And many lives will be changed through their lives, O oh God. We give you the praise, the glory, and honor and thanks. In Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. Amen. If you're making a check, make it to MLM, Melva Lee Ministries. And we're going to give the money directly to Melva Lee. And she's going to use it to win Jewish souls back to Jesus. So let, let's give unto the Lord and let's worship Him.
softly behind us. We're going to go from the Word of God and from the offering that you brought, your offering before the Lord, and you gave it. You know, in the Bible, they brought their offerings and laid at the apostles' feet. Well, you've brought your offering, and we've been filled up with the Word. And now we're going to move into the realm of the Spirit, and we're going to allow the Holy Spirit begin to move. See, we're just ordinary people, and this is an ordinary bottle of oil, and we've dumped it into ordinary bowls. But when we pray over that oil, and when we decree the Word of the Lord over that oil, then something supernatural takes place. We've been in in ministry in places like Africa where we've prayed over oil and we've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped, lame begin to walk. We've seen demon-possessed people be instantly delivered when the oil hit them. Because when she preached about the five virgins with oil, we're going to be those with the oil. God said to anoint you today because you will have an ever-flowing flow of oil. You will never be a beggar. It will never end. It will be the cruise of oil that never ceases. And so as we anoint you today, I want you to prepare yourself right now. Begin to prepare yourself to receive so that when we lay hands on you, when we anoint you with oil, that there is nothing between you and God that can stop that importation from coming to pass. And that you believe that when we lay our hands on you as men and women of God, every one of these before you, are ministers of the gospel of reconciliation. They are proven men and women of God. And when they begin to lay hands on you and prophesy to you that you are ready to receive and the Spirit of the living God can come upon you as you receive. Now I know there's some of you that need to be delivered and God said the minute that anointing oil touches you, that great deliverance is going to come to you. Some of you have generational curses, bloodline curses that need to be broken off so that you can enter into the fullness of God. And when that oil touches you, not because of the type of oil it is, but because it is blessed, and we have spoken over that oil, and we are using it as a symbol of the Holy Spirit, that when it touches you now, something supernatural can take place as a point of contact. So, Father, we ask you now for your anointing, Father, that as we begin this, Father God, that there would not be one person in this house today that would leave unchanged, that every person here today, Father,
the Lord will fall intimately, passionately, fervently in love with me. Even in the midst of great darkness, even in the midst of horrific events that are going to take place, my true bride will be wooed in the midst of sudden destruction. They will come to meet me, says the Lord. So encourage yourself with these words, says the Lord. For these things that have been taught to you this this very weekend, these things have been set in place for eternity. They have been established in the foundation, says the Lord. Not just the foundation of the earth, but the foundation of the heavenlies. For I was at the beginning, says the Lord, and I am He which speaks to you, and I am calling my true bride, and I am calling those who will not only sacrifice those things of the natural, but they will give their very lives and love their lives not unto death, says the Lord. This is the last hours. You are in the final moments of what has already been in place for eternity. Very soon, time will be no more. And you will be with me. Comfort yourself, says the Lord. Hear my voice. Hear my voice. Hear the voice of my handmaidens. Hear the cry of the intimate bride as she waits on her lover. Cry out for your nation. between the porch and the altar and cry out for I will not come for a bride who does not know my voice I will not come for a church who does not recognize me Father we just worship you right now We worship you, Lord Jesus. We cry out, Lord God. Il robot que tu sais, c'est
Father, we just release that spirit of intercession, that spirit of grace and supplication that Zechariah talked about. When they begin to cry out and mourn, each person, each family, each clan, each nation, we cry out. We cry out. Oh, my God. 
Jesus spoke in intercession. Generational curses. We call down. Bondages. 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 We call him broken. Nothing else can satisfy but you, my Lord. 
scared. If you've ever wondered what somebody might think if you actually walked up to the front, I believe that today is the day that God is just saying, come a little closer now because I want to see you face to face. There's some things that I need to speak to you that only the bride can, only I can speak to my bride. You know, that not everyone else can hear, but I need to speak something into your ear that only you will understand. And I believe that he's saying, just, just come a little closer now. See, you haven't seen what I've been there gives a word when we all go home. Well, I refuse to do anything because God has done it all. And all He has to see is that we are hungering and thirsting after Him. That above all things in our life, above our husbands, our children, our jobs, our passions, that we are thirsting for Him. So, Lord, we just lift these people to you as a sacrifice. We give them to you right now as living epistles, read and written, Father God, for all men. 
And we ask you to begin to move upon these people, to begin to fall on these people in front of us, that there's nothing else we can do, Lord. We just ask you just supernaturally now, just as you cause them to travail, to begin to fall upon them, Father God, that you would be formed in them. Father, we thank you. straight from my throne room. He said, everything I give you is going to be heaven breathed. It's only going to have been sung by the angels. He said, every word, every lyric, every note. He said, I've got it in you, Ephraim. It's already in you. And as it begins to manifest out, says the Lord, there will be such a hunger, such a cry. You are a mother in Israel. Yes. Your womb is full of me. Full of my babies. God says there's such a song in you that would set the captives free, that would birth nations. He said, surrender to me. Surrender all to me. And let me be birthed in you. And you... quickly 
Get your oil, and I want you to anoint them right where they are. Get your little vials of oil. Come on, you got to move fast. If you're on my pathetic team, come on, move fast. Move fast. Begin to anoint them. The rest of you stretch your hands toward them. We decree. The sounds of heaven. The voice of the bridegroom. Get the instruments also. For Christ would be formed in this worship team. That they can feel this house to overflowing. So 
just wait on the Lord a minute. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your peace, for your love that Daddy God has for us. Love the being the most powerful thing on this planet, in this world. For they will know us by our love. They will know us by miracles because witch doctors do miracles too. But they will know us by our love. Muslims will know us by our love that we display. Lord, we ask for the love of Christ, Lord, that would invade our hearts. Lord Jesus, Lord, Father God. For this is the glory of the Lord is that we operate in the perfect love of God. That we operate in your love, Lord, Father God, and that there's nothing else but your love, the love of the Father that you have for us, Lord, Father God, and that you would fill our hearts with your love. Fill our hearts with your love, Lord, that we wouldn't go along with the status quo, Lord, after this prophetic conference, Lord, that we wouldn't go along with the winds and the motions, Lord, Father God, but that, Lord, that you would arise within us, And that you would commission us today. You have commissioned us today, Lord Father God, for a greater assignment. You've commissioned your people for a greater assignment. You've commissioned us, Lord. And that we would preach, Lord, with our hearts and that we would burn with the fire of God. That we would burn for you and only you, Lord, Father God, because it's burned. It's burned. We have to burn like Jeremiah. It's a fire shut in our bones. And that, Lord, we would burn for you, O oh God, and preach. Preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. Preach the real gospel, not this fish wash gospel, but the gospel that saves the gospel that when, when you walk by the sick are healed commission us today Lord Father God that we would like Peter have an awareness Lord Father God of the presence that we just walk by 
We don't need to say a thing. Let us cast a dangerous shadow. A dangerous shadow, Father, commission us today, Lord. Right now, Lord, Father God. And that we will receive it with our spirit and not our brains. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for the increasing of the Spirit of God, the bubble in us, that's coming out of us even now. The power of peace. Father, I thank you now that you have never abandoned us but that you are closer even than face to face that you are a part of us inside of us now father we surrender ourselves to release you outside of ourselves that it has nothing to do with my efforts or our efforts and what we can do father but as we yield to the spirit of Christ in us father you will arise and our enemies will be scattered So now we look to no man, but we look to God within us, Father God. Arise now, Father God. Arise, Spirit of God in us. Arise. Permeate this atmosphere, Lord God. Not from the ankles, not from the knees. Let us swim in an atmosphere, Father God, that is so touchable and tangible right now, Father. By the Spirit of God, Father, we decree and declare new atmospheres, Father God. That the enemy's atmosphere will not evangelize us, but we will evangelize every place we go, Father God. That our atmosphere, Father God, will melt over into our bosses, into our homes, into our jobs, into the streets, Father God. That the atmosphere of heaven, Father God, that's within us, the dominion, the rule of peace within us, will not be overthrown. So I decree and declare and I, and I prophesy right now an unlocking and a releasing of the peace of God in you. That peace of God who is Christ, who by his authority and by peace will crush Satan under your feet, not by your mental efforts. So Father, we yield right now to your authority. In these end times, we will be soldiers marching on our knees. And we glorify your name. Father, I apologize first and foremost in front of everyone. Because I have sinned. And I thought I was as great as you. And I wasn't. That was a lie from the pit of hell. And I formally in front of everyone rebuked that. And I cast that down.
down with hatred of the church because of the evil they've done to me and my family, Father. You know what they've done. You know what they said. You know the evil of stealing. You know the evil of the past of fornicating with women. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And I'm sorry that I hated them for that, Lord God. I apologize for taking union in the spirits, Lord God, that I thought were you, and they just disguised themselves as you. That light wasn't real, it was just darkness. I apologize for trying to go to hell and save myself. I know that sounds foolish, but you know what I mean. I apologize for fighting demons myself and not counting on you. God, I have no strength other than what you've given me, and I confess it. Spirit of repentance over these people right now. Just that I release. I release the spirit of repentance over these people. And I proclaim peace and clarity. Hallelujah. Receive that right now. Receive that spirit of repentance. Right now, receive it for your family. Receive it for your children. Receive it right now. The spirit of repentance. We loose that over your families. Over your families, your homes, your children. Right now, receive that many of you have children, grandchildren, who are just like this precious young man. You know, the minute I saw him, I knew God was going to be birthed in him today. Because he is the son of the living God. And this was your day. The day the earth was supposed to be destroyed, you were born. <laughs> but receive that spirit of repentance for your children and your children's children that just like him God will have a moment and he will come to them I have a daughter who's 25 and a son-in-law who's 25 and she's a big shot lawyer one of the big she has one of the best jobs in our city she's been delivered some from so many things but she still keeps trying to be her own god exactly what he said but i believe that as i decree over her and continue to pray over her that miriam leanne sweet and twilly will yield her heart to the lord jesus christ and I decree that over your children and your grandchildren. Raise your hands and receive that. If you have children and grandchildren or brothers and sisters or relatives that don't know God, raise your hands and receive salvation for them right now. You can't be saved for them, but you can cry out to a living God and He will rescue them. He will rescue them. He will rescue them. That you are an on-time God. That just like this young man, on the day the earth was to be destroyed, he was birthed into the kingdom. We decree that you will birth your children into the kingdom, Father. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. Now, I know we have to end soon, but I want to do one more thing.
God wants the fire of God to be on you as you leave this place today. So we, I want my leaders to get this oil that we prayed fervently over. And I want you to get a bowl of oil and I want you to go through and begin to anoint these people quickly. And praise team, I want you to just raise up a praise unto God. Hallelujah. Yeah. You, you young men go down and help them. And lay hands on these people and release the anointing. You might say, they haven't been trained. Oh yeah, they have. Jesus just trained them. Get ready to receive as they offer up a praise song, and then we're going to turn it back over to Pastor Gary. Go ahead, team. Oh, no, 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 no,
and understanding, a spirit of revelation and understanding in the things of God. To put them on ahead of where we were at their age. And the things that we possess now in God, these things to be accelerated in them. To be accelerated in them. The power of God to rest upon their precious lives. The spirit of the living God to rest upon their lives. The truth of God to be in their mouths. The truth of God for them to grow up hating the lie. But loving the truth. Loving the truth. And a fearless spirit. Even the most shy. A fearless spirit. Whenever it comes to the things of God. My little granddaughter who's ten years old. My Abby that I love so dearly. Her, her best little friend the other day was accosted by a little Muslim girl in school. And the little Muslim girl, she's 10 years old too, but she proclaims herself now to be a lesbian. And so she came to Abby's best friend and she put her arm around her. And she said, I love you. And started getting ugly toward her. The Spirit of God rose up in Abby, 10 years old, she said, no. She said, we are Christians. We love Jesus and we do not behave this way. Ten years old. Ten years old. That righteousness. That righteousness rising up. Okay? So for our children, yes. Yes. That spirit of God, of the living God. His son is Jesus. Oh, yeah. Now they're not our kids. All right. Let's lay hands on them. In part, in part, in part. That's right. Fearlessness. Get a hold of them. Get your hands on them. Fearlessness. Spirit of bold. 
wisdom in the things of God, a quickening, dreams, visions, open manifestations of Jesus. That's right, revelation, 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 revelation. Oh, awesome, awesome. The word of the Lord in their mouth. Let them be a generation of prophets. That's right, a generation of prophets who speak the word of the Lord. Full of God. Full of the living word. The word of the Lord in their mouth. Thank you, Lord, for ears now. Ears to hear. Ears to hear. Eyes to see. A heart to understand.
Jesus' name I pray. Now, you parents, you understand the scripture says truth endures to all generations. But it doesn't just happen magically. It's because you deliberately choose every day to hate the lie and to love the truth. And in your home, you deliberately put the truth, who is the Lord Jesus, into that house, into these children. Day by day by day by day, you watch over them. You sow diligently into them. You impart the truth so that it penetrates, it penetrates, it penetrates into them, into their generation, so that before long you begin to see it coming out of them. It comes out of them. It comes out of them. And it waters those around them. All right? Amen. 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 That's right. Thank you, Lord. One last chance, Matt. We know you're the big preacher coming up. Well, I've heard him give scriptures and preach, so I know he's got it in him. Anyway, we just want to thank all of you for having us again. I mean, we have never been here that Jesus didn't show up in a big way. Hallelujah! So thank you for hosting us again, and we would love to come back sometime. And Pastor Gary, thank you for all your hard work. You know, he does all this, and he doesn't even take any of the offering. And, you know, we do that, but not very many ministries do that, so... You know, I just thank God for him and for Norma, and we just thank God that something great is going to come out of all this. Amen. Amen. Let's first thank God for the worship team. All of and, and for Sister Deborah and all the team that she brought, let's just, let's just thank God right now. So, um, we have service tomorrow morning at 11. If you already have a church, then you can go back and be blessed. But if you don't have a church you regularly attend, you're welcome here. So, that will be tomorrow morning at 11. So, you know, this isn't only about a conference. It's not about having an experience and then going to another conference. It's about receiving an impartation, and as soon as you walk out the door, you begin to release the fire that we've been singing about. We have just one last request. We need to get the church ready for the service tomorrow. Just like you all clapped that tomorrow morning at 11 is service, but we need to prepare the sanctuary and the bathroom. So we need volunteers. It's not all about it's not all about soaring in the spirit. Sometimes the glory is in the dirty places. You see, that's where I started in ministry, in the dirty, filthy places. And that's where I found God. 
So if you're able to, we ask if, you, if everyone would stay a few minutes to help Gretchen. Gretchen, wave your hand. And she'll, she'll set you up with a mop or a broom. Because we want to get be ready for tomorrow. We don't want the whole burden to fall on her. So Father, I just thank you today, Lord God. Father, we thank you for this conference, for this weekend, oh God, for all that was imparted. And I just thank you for fruit that remains, oh God. Father, let the words that were spoken become words of life, not just today, but Monday morning, Tuesday night, Lord God, as we awaken. Cause us to pray and weep over the nations, oh God, for your people Israel. And I just speak a really blessing and protection over each one, Lord God. Father, let the fire, Lord God, let it burn in every heart, in every family, in every home. And we just thank you and we bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen.